Good morning. Found out this morning that my computer, my laptop, is too old to run the program that I use. Thus, Gil brought this one in, and here we go. Okay. Sorry about that. Well, we're continuing our series in Advent. High schoolers, get out. <laughs> Michael is having the high schoolers meet, so if you're in high school, you can join your peers over there. We're continuing our series in Advent. And one of the great things about this time of the season is the ability to focus on Jesus and all that he is and all that he has done. And we've been looking at some of the things that have taken place just in the incarnation. We have specifically been focusing on what the incarnation is. Theologically, we, we've talked about how God became man and I inadequately tried to express that. I, I say that not humbly because no one can adequately fully comprehend and express all that entails God becoming a man. But it's at the core of what we believe. John wrote that in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. That Jesus, God becoming a man, was life. We then talked about why did he have to be a man? How he was living in this humanity and he lived a life that we couldn't live so that he could die the death that we should have died. That in Jesus, we see that in him, he is God speaking to us in the language of our humanity. That he is giving us the ability to understand. We are able to see that he died that death. He unplugged the religious treadmill that we were running on trying to achieve God's holiness. And he said it is finished. He took care of that. And then in his deity... It gave us clarity on who God really is. Again, God speaking to us in the language of our humanity. We saw that he doesn't condemn us in our sin. We saw what actually causes God to be angry is when anyone would hinder someone from coming to him. And we also saw that God does grieve and understands our grief. And we looked at last week how God is actually wanting to bring us in close just as he did the disciples in that time in his dark hour wanting them to be with him he wants us to be with him still and this morning what I want to do is look at this area of salvation I mean why would God go through such extravagant lengths to bring salvation to us? Why would he have to become a man? Why would this be necessary? And what is the purpose? And so if you have your Bibles, open your scriptures up to John 17. If you need a copy, raise your hands and they can get you one. John chapter 17. I want to try and understand what was the purpose 
And what is the purpose of salvation? We have our language and we have this idea of when you say, okay, are you saved? Usually what that encompasses in our thought processes, are you not going to hell? And are you going to heaven? And sometimes this solitarian idea of salvation only is the reason Jesus came, is just to keep you from going to hell. And is that really why God became man? Is just because he came to rescue us, kind of like a lost puppy. Or was there something more? And I believe we get insight to a lot more here in Jesus' prayer. Starting at verse 20. Jesus says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me, because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. We see in this prayer that Jesus speaks out that the point of Jesus coming as the God-man was to bring us into a unity with God through him. To unite us to himself. Over and over again, we read that I am in you and I want them to also be in me even as I am in you. We see this dynamic of him wanting a closeness. The closeness that he experienced with God, he wants us to experience with him so that we too can experience with God. And so the idea of salvation, I want you to think larger than maybe you have in the past. I don't want you to think of, oh, I, I'm, I'm saved, that means I'm not going to hell. I'm saved, that means I'm going to heaven. I want you to think of salvation as I now have the opportunity to be one with Jesus and with God. Saying that might frighten you. It might intimidate you. That sounds a little too close. That sounds a little too imposing. But that's what Jesus' prayer was. And so many times we settle for so much less. 
I, I want to be saved. I want to be a Christian. Do you want to be one with Jesus and with the Father? Do you want to be that close? Or are you settling just for that kind of afterlife insurance? And what Christ is desiring for us is that we be united with him because he is life. And the wording here is very important. Notice verse 24 specifically. Because he says, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me. Another translation says, I desire that they would be with me. Do you understand that what Jesus wants is for you to be with him? That's his desire. That's the idea of salvation. He wants us to know him fully, not just his life and death on the cross, but he wants us to know him completely that they would be with me, that you would glorify them even as you're going to glorify me. I want them to see that glory. You see, the last word wasn't the cross and he didn't want it to be. I just want them to know that I died for them. He was wanting to bring us in closer that we would see the glory that was his from the beginning, that we would be connected to him in his majesty, in his glory to experience the life that he gives fully and completely. Paul said, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. I don't want to just know about Jesus. I don't want to just know that he died for my sins. I don't want to just know that I'm going to heaven. I want to know the power of his resurrection. And this is exactly what Jesus is talking about, that we would experience this glory that he has, that we would be one with him, that we would be so connected to him that we would understand the power of his resurrection that we would be able to experience the participation of his sufferings and obtain this resurrection of life. The language that he use, uses is powerful and is intimate. Salvation is personal. It is encompassing a relationship with you and with God. And Jesus is wanting us to draw close. Very, very close. He wants to establish this understanding of who he is and what he means to us. You see, there's a difference between being wanted and being needed, right? Being wanted is a good thing. Being needed 
is secondary. Parents, you know this idea with your kids. When they come to you and they need something and they're nice to you because they need something. You're the prettiest mom in the whole world. You're the best daddy. I just love you so much. Here it comes. Dad, have you seen this on sale? Why would I see that on sale? When they need something, it's one thing, but when they just want to be with you. When your son calls you and he just says, Hey, Dad, how's it going? Just wanted to say, I love you. And doesn't ask for anything. Just says, I wanted to say, I love you. Oh, man. That's wonderful. In a relationship, with whether it's, it's friends or whether it's in marriage, if someone wants to be in that relationship, it makes the relationship have the potential to grow deep and wide. If they just need that relationship because they need your money, they need you for a job, whatever it is, then that relationship is shallow and it will never have depth. Do you understand that Jesus wants and desires to be with you? What he wants is depth. What he wants is a closeness that is able to speak into our lives and allow us to speak our lives into him. He, he wants to be close. He desires this. What do you desire? It's been said, you're as close to God as you want to be because he wants to be close. Do you understand that? Do you recognize that if you feel distant from God, it's because you have not drawn close to him. He is wanting to draw close to you. And there's a lot of reasons we we don't want to draw close. Because God is invasive. People are invasive. When you have a friend, they, they speak into your lives. They take time. They want to go out to lunch. They want to call you. They send you texts. But if it's a relationship you want, you receive them happily. And you guys know the difference. You know that there are people, maybe it's coworkers, and you get texts or calls, and you're like, oh. I mean, my phone number is on the internet because of my business. And so I get phone calls all the time. I'll get a phone call at 7 in the morning about dog training. I don't want to talk about dogs at 7 in the morning. I don't want to talk about nothing until I get coffee. <laughs> Ask my wife. And, and so when I get that kind of a phone call, it's like, no, I'll let that one go. I, I don't care about this number because I know it's not someone I know and I can see maybe from the area code or assume it's a, a dog. It's like, okay, I'll let that one go to voicemail. Silence. That's great. But if it's one of my kids, pick it up. I want to know what's going on. Hopefully it's good. Why? Because 
I want to hear from them. I want that conversation. I want to answer that text because I want that relationship. I think the biggest deficiency that takes place in Christendom isn't a lack of knowledge about the scriptures, especially in Western society. It it, it isn't a lack of commitment to go to church and be involved. I think the biggest deficiency that is a part of Christianity is the lack of desire for God. It's settling for a religion that is far less than the relationship that God wants. It's the convenience of our beliefs and wanting to to be okay with God, but not wanting to be close. Not wanting to fully surrender. Not wanting to see that cost completely. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Think about that. I call you friends. That's what he calls us. What do you call him? Is he distant? Is he a friend? Or is he that God you believe in? The difference between following Christ and every other religion in the world is that you aren't born a follower of Christ. You have to become that. I remember one year when we were in Wales, we got to go to a school, a public school, and speak because we were missionaries from California to, to Wales, which I thought was kind of funny because they have Christians in Wales, but we were from California, so automatically we're missionaries. So we had a voice to go speak to them, and it was a predominantly Muslim group that we were speaking to. And as we talked to them, we said, well, you were born a Christian, right? And I said, no, no one is born a Christian. And they were, what? What do you mean no one's born a Christian? I said, you can't be born. It's a choice you have to make. You have to decide you want to be a part of this relationship. You have to accept and open your life to this relationship. And and then what God does as he draws close to you and you open your heart and draw close to him, what he does is he changes who you are. God isn't out to make you better. He's out to make you new. He changes the essence of what you are as a person. You call it being born again. Call it being a new creation. He changes you so that you are now someone different. His relationship is so encompassing that it actually 
has that kind of effect on the essence. I, I was a caterpillar, now I'm a butterfly. Or maybe that's for the ladies. The guys, you were a tadpole and now you're a frog. That's about as what we get, okay? But there's that change. It actually is uh, totally different. And I, I can't go back from being a frog to being a tadpole. I can either be a frog that's connected to the God of the universe or one who just sits on one of those things that lily pad, there you go. But what God is doing is trying to draw close changes. It's like a DNA metamorphosis that takes place. That's how close he wants to be. And you see, salvation is about this. Salvation is about this relationship. Salvation is about the God who wants to call you his friend, the God who wants to get so close to you that he changes who you are in your essence. That's what salvation is. It's not, oh, I believe in Jesus. No, Jesus is close to me and has changed me. And yes, I still struggle and I still stumble, but God is near and he is at work and he has revealed himself to me and he has called me his friend. Paul wrote, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's how close we are one. My life is that of Christ now. I am so close to him that my life and his life are inseparable. Who I am is so connected to Jesus that for me to live is like Christ and to die is just a game because he has brought me near. He has called me his friend. He has paid my debt so that I could be in this place of relationship. And if we see salvation as anything less we are settling for much, much less. But oftentimes we do. And what God has done is he has sent his son. His son was crucified and ascended and then the son sent the Holy Spirit. And so God and the Son sent the Holy Spirit. The Father and the Son sent the Holy Spirit. And then the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit sent the church. And that's us. And that's kind of what it means to live as Christ. He has called us and has sent us out. We have this opportunity. And what's great about this is, is we're not starting our own mission, Jesus is already on mission and we get to join him in his mission, in his work. I don't have to create something spiritual. I'm not really good at that. That's a bad day in the kitchen for me, okay? If I try and create, you don't come to my house and say, Sam, could you cook us some dinner? They're cereal. I can make eggs because I, I learned that. But I don't do well. I just don't have the wherewithal to, to cook. I probably could, but why? I have my wife, she's great at that, my family. 
But you see, I don't have to create something to do something. All I need to do is get on board with what God is already doing. And so we join him because we are one. Even as he and the Father are one, as God sent Jesus, Jesus is sending us, and all we are doing is carrying the heart of God to the people he is already speaking to. Whether it's in our neighborhoods, whether it's on the other side of the world, we are connecting to the work that God is already doing. And so that's why at this time of Advent, we want to connect to that work specifically and do it deliberately and represent him effectively. We have this opportunity. The God who is, who has come to me in Jesus, who has saved me in my sin, who has united me in his love, has now also sent me to do the work that he is doing. We are participating in, in that work. And so it should be a natural thing for us to be in this frame of mind. So many times we we suffer and deal with depression because we are so self-focused. Selfish people are the saddest people. And then you have these examples of people who give of themselves like Mother Teresa. And she says, when you find out that you just give love, you find out that love is all there is to give. Why? Because you just start to care. Your heart starts to change. Why? Because you are connecting to Jesus and his work and it starts to change who you are. Do you want to be a better person? Be a generous person be a caring person care about others more important than you do yourself think about that think of others who's others really everyone else think of them as more important than you and you're going to find that it changes who you are and so what we want to do is make this opportunity where we can give of ourselves as a community. And the way we are doing that is in a couple areas. We've done that in our community with the Healthy Start. We're going to be doing that in Vizcaino, Mexico. And we're also doing that in Haiti. And so I want to talk about that right now a little bit in Haiti. Haiti is the poorest country in the world. 77% poverty rate. The World Bank notes that more than half of Haiti's population lives on less than $1 a day, while about 80% of the country lives on less than $2 a day. The country's estimated unemployment rate as of 2010 was 40.6%. Now, when you think of living on dollar or less than $2 a day, You think, wow, that's crazy. No, it's even crazier. The cost of living isn't much cheaper than it is here. It's about the same. So you imagine trying to live with your family on under $2 a day, and now you know what the average or more than average percent, 70 plus percent of the people in Haiti are having to live like. 
That's the condition. 10 million people, 5 million are living in the Port-au-Prince area. The other 5 million are scattered across the country. There's a lot of issues with that. They're trying to get people to disperse from Port-au-Prince because it's becoming uh, a problem in itself. And so this is the condition. 50% of primary school age children are not enrolled in school. One-third of girls over six never go to school. Less than 20% of the schools have electricity. 39% have potable water. 15% have a library. This is the country that has had hundreds of thousands die because of earthquakes, because of hurricanes, because of flooding, been plagued with disease, been plagued with dictators and people who have used, abused the people. Most of the schools are not public schools. Most of the schools are actually there because of churches. Catholic Church is number one. Episcopal Church is number two. Baptist Church is number three. Because of these three groups, that is really why most of the kids are able to go to school. And as you've seen, a lot of the schools don't have electricity, don't have potable water, don't have a library. Well, this is where we're wanting to step in and just connect to what Jesus is doing already there in Haiti. I remember uh, Serena one time uh, saw, read someone's webpage and it says, we're bringing Jesus to Haiti. And she said, no, I think he's already there. And I, I appreciate that because he is. And we want to connect with what God is doing to the people of Haiti. Here we are in Haiti. That, I've showed you guys this before, that's the bathroom that the kids, a few hundred kids used to use, and it was pretty bad. Um, we have already paid for and are building a new latrine for that. And in February, I hope to have the pictures to show you of what have done. We raised, I think it was $7,000 to build a new latrine. They have to dig a pit. They have to line it with rocks so that the uh, you know waste doesn't go into the soil afterwards in there building it so their kids are going to have a new place where they can go to the bathroom, which is a health issue. And so that's one of the things that happen. They also need an area for a kitchen. This is the area where they do the cooking. Oh, look, it's me. <laughs> Behind me in this area, they had like a little, it wasn't anything. It was a place where they basically made a fire and they cooked. We would like to now have a place where they can actually have a roof and a place to cook for these hundred-something kids. A lot of these kids, that's the only meal that they will get. Sufficient meal. And so we want to help and support that. This is, again, that area where they want to build that area of the kitchen. Uh, Jillian and Lauren are playing hopscotch with some of the kids that are there. And so these are some of the things that we can participate in doing. And it was kind of interesting because it wasn't planned, but... Denise came up to me and said, I know I didn't give you a warning about this, but she made these cards, and it happens to be perfect. Good timing, Denise. These cards are in the back, and what you can do is give a donation for a reason, the nonprofit that Denise has developed, and your donation will go towards supplies for Haiti. In return, you will get a card that you can use as a Christmas card or something like that. And so it's a way that you can give to Haiti. The money that you give will be made in your name. 
the cards are there. If we run out of cards, they're in different donations. I believe $25 and $50, is that right? And $10, even $10, okay? So there's $10, $25, and $50 donations that you can give towards Haiti and get that card that, again, this money is going to Haiti in your name. And the money is all getting to Haiti. We carry it ourselves. We write the check ourselves and hand it over to the person who gives it, and we'll come back and give account for it for that. What I'm hoping we can do in this is be able to see... See, I'm getting a phone call right now. Someone's wanting to call me about dog training. I'm not going to answer. What we're hoping to do is connect to what Jesus is already doing. To be able to show his love in a tangible way as God the Father sent Jesus to develop this closeness with us. And the Father and the Son sent the Holy Spirit to empower us and bring us into union with him. They have also sent us out to be an example of his love to the world. And at this time, when we acknowledge who Jesus is, the relationship that he's calling us into with himself, we want to stop being selfish. We want Christmas to stop being about us and about what we get. Stop giving to those who already have enough. Well, I need the new iPod. Why? Because it's new. And give to those who don't have anything. Who are living on $2 a day to support a family. Who are living in tents or shacks with dirt floors. To be able to give their kids a place where they can sit down and eat out of the elements, where they can actually cook out of the rain. To help the poorest country in the world just get a little bit better. And so we want to change what Christmas has become and make it really about what Jesus does. And as we have the opportunity again in February to go you're invited to go with us and go see the school where we're going to build the kitchen. Go see the new bathrooms. Isn't that exciting? Go see schools that are in various places that you would never imagine anyone would be there and there's a school and there's a church. And just show the love of God to these people who are living in a condition that we don't understand. Let's take what we have and give what we can so that we too can represent the God who draws us close. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your work in us that doesn't settle, that doesn't stop. You you don't stop pushing 
into our lives. You don't leave us to ourselves. You might allow us to become distant so that we once again turn and cry to you and and we might have to learn the hard way and we might have to hit bottom before we look up, but you are always there. You are always wanting us to be with you. You are always desiring that we be with you. Your purpose in coming, Jesus, as a man, was so that we could be where you are, so that we could be one with you. And as we accept this invitation to draw close, accept this understanding that you want us, Lord, we want you as well. We want Paul's words for me to live as Christ, to be true, and to die is just gain. Lord, we want to be your friends. That you call and say, can you help these people out? And we say, yeah, we, we, we can. And maybe it's $10. Maybe it's taking the time and the money to go and be a body there in Haiti. Whatever it is, Lord, we want to be your friends and we want people to see you in us. We want your life to be seen in our lives. We want to be so close to you that we are one, even as you and the Father are one. We don't want to settle for a religion that pays its dues and does its time. Lord, we want to be able to be there. When you call, we want to answer the phone and say, what do you need? When you text us, Lord, we want to be able to respond and want to respond When you ask something of us, we want to say yes. Lord, you have already said yes to us. You have called us friends. May we respond with our lives. And I pray that our community, Lord, with what we have, can do what we can to make a difference in these areas in Haiti, in Mexico, in our community. Lord, I know times are tough. I know finances are difficult. But Lord, you show up. You provide. You care for us, sometimes miraculously, and sometimes by the skin of our teeth. But Lord, you gave to us. May it be an opportunity for us to want to give to you. Not because we have to. Not because I'm being pushy. But because it's an opportunity and we desire to be connected to the things you're doing. Lord, bless our efforts. And Lord, more than anything, may we draw as close to you as you desire to be to us. May your voice resonate in our heart. May your will be our own. May we be so in tune to you that, Lord, we can follow just in your steps. May we be 
covered with the dust from being so close to behind you that you kick up, Lord. Thank you for caring, for loving, and for bringing us into so great a salvation. Lord, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name.